0: The Retail Ready Podcast is proudly sponsored by Botanica Blends. Straight from the Wizard's Cauldron, we stock delicious plant protein for the likes of our famous vanilla cake batter and caramelized popcorn. We've got desserts like our dreamy jelly, vegan custard and our latest date-free protein bars. We are currently offering 20% off to all Retail Ready podcast listeners until the end of October. So head on down to botanicablends.com.au and use the code READY20 at the checkout. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Retail Ready Podcast. No guest today, it is just me. It's been a while since I've given you kind of an overview of what's going on in my world and also wanted just to touch on a few topics uh, that I hope you'll find interesting. But I just want to start with a story and I think it's a good one. Hopefully you do too. And in 1997, there was a bloke called Tim Waller and he was on an African safari while on this trip he noticed an elephant in the uh, in the near distance that was in discomfort and he he approached the tour guide and went we've got to help this elephant so as he got closer he noticed that the elephant's back leg had become trapped so with the help of the tour guide a bit of maneuvering after a few minutes tim finally helped this elephant to freedom and the elephant went on its way and so did tim And you fast forward to 2018 and Tim was back in New York and he was in New York Zoo with his family and they were approaching the elephant enclosure and what Tim noticed was this elephant becoming excited when it was looking at Tim and he was a, a large elephant had grown but Tim had recognized that this elephant looked pretty familiar and as Tim got closer he noticed that this elephant was banging its back leg. And it was the same leg Tim had helped freed. So in this unreal moment between this elephant and Tim, Tim actually climbed the fence to get into the elephant enclosure. And he got next to the elephant and the elephant was still stamping its back leg, getting very excited. And as Tim started literally, and people were were watching Tim and this elephant have this connection, And all of a sudden, the elephant lifted its back leg one more time and crushed Tim to death. Turned out the elephant wasn't the same as the one Tim had saved. Hope you enjoyed that story because that is a story I'll be telling my daughter when she's older and hopefully she finds the funny side. But why did I start with this random story? And it's because I think stories are powerful. Stories tell so much and I think brands will be telling more and more stories as we go on over this crazy journey that we're we're in in this evolving world of innovation and food creation and there was an interesting fact that I, I picked up the other week and it was that 41% of consumers want to know the story of the brand and also they want to know where the story of the ingredients are from and for me I only think this will get bigger and stronger with consumers, and we're noticing that younger consumers um so forget you boomers they're 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 just doing their own thing, but the the generation that are coming through that are now wanting to know where did food come from, what's the story behind it, who made what is it ethical is uh, is it handcrafted small batched is it upcycling which we talked about with I Am Grounded in a couple of episodes ago and I just wanted to yeah start with that story because for me I just find if you can do anything to tweak your product to make it more relevant with the future consumer and also there's a story with everything so I'd, I'd kind of like to to question you and go Are you not actually telling the story of your product? Um, Because I think there'll be some great stuff that if you dig deep enough in your innovation kind of pipeline and kind of with your team, there'll be something out there. So yeah, I just wanted to start with a little story. But today's episode, I want to touch on my actual seven-year anniversary since I actually booked my flight to Australia. And I've talked about it, talked about little bits in previous episodes, but Mm. There's been a lot of new listeners which welcome and thank you very much for tuning in who actually don't know the story of the host and I just wanted to touch on uh, a few bits about me and kind of my passion in the actual supermarket and retail and food space and I actually did a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and someone actually said they'd listened to the early episodes and actually went did you as an 11 year old boy actually queue up to the opening of a supermarket? And I actually can confirm, yes, this is true. And I am a geek. I am literally a food nerd. And I'm happy to admit that um, because I'm very comfortable with who I am. Um, And yes, Sainsbury's, which is a huge UK supermarket, as most of you will know, uh, actually opened up, Literally about 500 meters from where I lived in Manchester. And it was like the biggest news ever. Uh, like Manchester is a big city. Not many people would have got excited by a supermarket opening up. Apart from little fat boy Ben um, who queued up with a load of grannies. And I remember there was about eight or nine literally 70, 80, 90 year old ladies who it was their highlight too because it was down the road from them. And so I was queuing up, there was about 15 of us in this queue, and there was a speech before the doors opened, and in went, and yep, 11-year-old Ben just was like, wow, this is amazing. And even today, I still just love walking supermarket aisles because I find it therapeutic, and I just love that each product, and again, tells a different story has a different kind of personality different branding why did they make it like this why did they choose that packaging why did they do those call outs and uh, I touched on this podcast with uh, the person because I actually can't go shopping with my wife anymore because I actually don't go food shopping Uh, she actually goes there funny enough to do the food shop uh, which is weird I don't understand why people go to the supermarket and actually do a weekly food shop Whereas I think it's normal to go around looking at products, picking it up, organizing them, so yeah she gets very frustrated with me, so we actually don't do the food shop together um but yeah, uh, going back to the early days, um yeah, retail's always been in my in a passion but I've never been in this space so before I came to Australia I became a qualified nutritionist and actually worked in the fitness uh, industry. I I used to look after a gym, used to be a personal trainer. I also used to have a side hustle because I was actually a qualified sports massage therapist which was weird but also helped um, fund the weekend uh, footballing and drink activities but yeah seven years ago I was in the pub And I realized I needed change and people always say there's never a perfect time and I don't think there ever is a perfect time. You just have to do something. I remember drinking, I think it was like my second drink and I was just looking around and uh, I went, is this what I'm doing? Is this what I'm Becoming like living for Friday nights, getting up Saturday, watching the football, going out Saturday night and doing it all over again. And uh, I wasn't enjoying the role that I was doing at at that time. And yeah, halfway through this drink, I kind of went, no, let's go and do it. Before hesitation, before doubt, before people get into your head, uh, I just went, let's go and do it. So I actually, yeah, walked home and my mum was actually watching Home and Away uh, on the TV. And I loaded up my uh, laptop and I just went, let's do it, and booked a one-way flight to arrive in Sydney on New Year's Eve. That is all I did. And when there's been a few people, uh, even back home, who've gone, oh, aren't you lucky? Aren't you lucky to have that opportunity in Australia? I went, well, I'm not lucky. All I did was load up a laptop and booked a one-way flight on a credit card, Um and then actually realised, oh shit, I need a visa, I need to make sure uh, I've got enough funds in the bank and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I just did it because once you do something, uh, it's then done and then I work around everything else and yeah, literally booked it to land New Year uh, in Sydney and that was seven years, well, it'll be seven years ago coming up and I just wanted to touch on my first kind of first six months in Australia because I think that set me up. There's been a lot of people that helped me on the way. There was a, also an attitude shift in in myself, which I've also carried forward um even to this day. Because when I arrived, uh, I actually got a visa. I didn't realize that you needed one. So thank God someone actually let me know a few weeks before coming into uh, Australia. So once I arrived, which was an epic journey in itself. So I landed in Sydney and I actually didn't have accommodation for the first three nights in Sydney because everywhere was booked up because it was the basically (laughs) the busiest city in the world to, to go and celebrate new year. So even the hostels, Airbnb, everything was booked up hotels. There was a few rooms, but I wasn't paying $700, $800 a night. So, I just thought you know what land there and then work it out and I landed and I remember being at the carousel picking up my uh, suitcase and there was a there was a young bloke same age as me who was literally waiting on um, his suitcase as well and he goes where you off to thinking I'd be heading to somewhere like um, Bondi Beach or something like that and I went mate I I actually don't have a clue where I'm going I'm tempted just to leave my suitcase here and go to crown uh, go to the casino and he was like all oh, right and he and we, we'd met in the lounge area before so it wasn't just weird that uh we'd been speaking and he'll i know and yeah i've got i've got nowhere to stay for a couple of nights and I don't know what it was, whether it was a, the Australian way of just, uh, helping someone out. And, um, yeah, he literally said, well, jump in a taxi with me, you pay for the taxi and get some beers and you can stay at mine for uh, a couple of nights. And I was, I was kind of hesitant because when you're growing up, you always go, Oh, just be careful. And you know what, when, you get a feeling, and for me, I always I always believe in my gut feeling, and this was a moment where it was like, Ben, just just go with the flow, and yeah, it turns out that this bloke had a, an awesome apartment in Bondi, and we're still good mates to this day. And yeah, I stayed with, uh, Liam for two nights and on the third night I was kind of going, I'd celebrated new year and on the third night I went, right, let's, let's go and do this Sydney adventure and see if I like Sydney. And I explored, stayed in a hostel, which bloody hell, uh, that was the last hostel I'll ever be staying at. So yeah, uh, not a hostel lover, to be honest. So did a few nights in a hostel and then was like, nah, let's Airbnb it, enjoy Sydney, um, went to the places but for some reason something was dragging me to Melbourne and I jumped on a plane after about 10 days got into Melbourne and then again just an epic journey for a few first few months and got myself a job in the gym actually at Coles head office so if you ever look on my LinkedIn account you'd have seen that I yeah spent um, just under four years at Coles and six months was spent in the gym in the basement they've got an awesome gym down there uh, to to make sure the staff are are keeping well and it's just it's one of the best gyms that I've seen and I think it's fantastic on what they do to to keep the staff active and healthy and yeah I used to look after that for six months because of the visa and then at that time um, I, I really wanted to join kind of that that culture and kind of I, I was seeing all these people talking to all these people at lunch times after work and I wanted to be part of what they were building and I actually gave my CV to uh, the my boss who I finally got a job there at about I think it was around 15 um, CVs he got from different people so it was persistence and yeah I actually got an interview and got a job but I wanted to talk about the first three months because I actually didn't have a clue what I was doing. And it got to a point where I was spending that much time doing what, uh, just learning, filling out forms, learning from people. I I sat next to some incredible people. So Andrew Mossop, Alex Freudman, who we've actually had on this podcast, who is uh, the MD of Dan Murphy's. I actually, for some reason, used to be sitting literally next to him so you 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 learn a lot you learn about behavior you learn about how he deals with things and what i noticed about these people is none of them raised their voices none of them kind of showed emotion that made people feel um that they were doing a bad job like yes there was heated arguments in calls. there was there was a there was a lot of stress there was a lot of panic but what i noticed is there was a lot of senior leaders there who were, were great leaders so yeah I, I looked on that and got inspiration and for me the first three months was just learn 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 i had no mates i had no social life so for me i could get there at six seven o'clock in the morning bit of training grab some grab some breakfast and i used to stay till nine, ten p.m and there was actual there was an actual stage there where I was actually googling uh, a sleeping bag uh, to buy a sleeping bag because I was kind of going if I could sleep in the first aid room I didn't have to go back uh, and I could actually learn more get some uh, projects moving forward and that's when I realized that nah, uh, this is that's probably not the healthiest thing to do and yeah but for 3 months I put in the hours and then kind of after that um I still put in the hours but it, it didn't get to 10pm, it was more 7, 8pm. And one thing that I noticed is that the people who stayed late were never the bosses, they were never kind of the senior people. What I noticed was it was the people that seemed that if they stayed late, it was a, a good sign of they were doing a good job. But it's come to realize now that I don't think that's right. And I don't think for anyone who's listening who who stays till 8, 9 p.m. in their job thinking that oh, it's seen as being a hero, I actually see it as a negative, to be honest, because I see it as they can't get the work done during the day. And you look around and you kind of see that the senior leaders are are at home with their families hopefully and they're controlling their time and that's one thing that I realized that yes you have to put in the hours if you're doing a project and if you want to learn because I didn't have a clue what I was doing so I had to put in those hours to kind of catch up to where someone was after who had been there for six nine or twelve months so yeah just just have a a word to yourself going actually is me staying till late actually helping or is it actually affecting your family life and are you just getting more work given to you because you're actually um doing the job and you're staying and um people will take um kind of the, the yeah they'll they will stretch you in that kind of area so yeah just uh keep that in mind and yeah, I just wanted to touch on that earlier. So hopefully uh, that didn't bore you, but I always find it. It's interesting where I started and my passion for food has just only grown. Um, I left Coles to actually expand my knowledge in the space. And that is exactly what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm speaking to more suppliers. I, I can do this podcast. I don't think I'd been able to do this podcast in Coles. Um Just because of kind of speaking to different suppliers, there's still that kind of underlining um, tone of you can't be too friendly with suppliers uh, because you've got to have that distance. There is um, that distance. Whether that's changed or not, I don't know. But you've got to be careful what you say. Whereas with this podcast, I can freely speak to whoever I want, speak about whatever I want. So uh, that's one one good reason but also it was to learn to learn where ingredients came from to learn the whole supply chain i was i was just learning about one aspect getting a product that was given to me and moving that forward along my process line to to get the artwork on it to get the forms completed to to make sure the category was getting the margin that they were uh, wanting and to build the private label kind of um growth which was just growing phenomenally and it still is uh, to this day and i think next year it'll grow even more because of what's happened with covid so yeah, it was it was a huge learning curve, but I've I've been on a bigger learning curve the last couple of years learning about every other aspect and meeting all different suppliers as well. And I've realized in the food industry that there's so much connection between different suppliers, whether one person supplies the other person flavor, seasonings, packaging, and everyone's mixing and if there's category managers listening or there's anyone in the the major retailers listening, it's Don't be a dick. And honestly, that there's there's the same names that go round in the supplier world. um, Who take for example, if you're a decent person, there's there's a lot of decent people that work for Aldi, Costco, Seven Eleven, Coles, Woolies, and like like with every industry, there's dickheads and there's great people. But what you notice is the the idiots that work for the majors are the idiots across the whole range and. And you always kind of go if if you got made redundant or you got told to leave a business, it's would you be able to step into another business or another industry with your head held high, or would you have to work from the ground? So there's a few people that get talked about because yeah, they they're just ruthless and they they're just. I, I don't know what it is, whether it's institutionalized or they've just got an ego. Um, just have a word with yourself because yeah, um, you, you don't need to be, uh, you don't need to be an idiot. So yeah, that was my early days. And I just wanted to update everyone from who I am and yeah, the, the passion is, is literally still burning, still, still reading. And even when I get home from work, it's um, I'm on in LinkedIn a lot because I love seeing what people are posting. I love seeing what brands are doing and I just love reading about the industry, whereas some people would leave a job and then go and go af- after what they like, whether that's sports, whether that's um, fashion, etc. Whereas for me, it's it's all about food. So, yeah, and funny enough i'm in the shed uh recording this it's saturday morning um everyone's asleep in the family and i just thought i'd grab a coffee and do this uh episode and talk about yeah kind of uh what's been going on and that's to lead into 2021 because we we're coming up to a new year um i think a lot of people want to write off 2020 but i don't think that's right either i think a lot of people will have learned something from this year it's been disastrous in the economy It's small businesses uh health to so many people as well um and i think we forget that even if one person dies it's still a family that's been affected um but i think we've just got used to now the news saying two deaths today four deaths today eight deaths today and if you're in Europe, those numbers and in USA, those numbers are a lot higher than what they are in Australia. But this year has taught me, uh, again, to be, um, to be uncomfortable. To, sorry, to be comfortable with the uncomfortable because things have just changed every month this year and people have had to adapt and we've had to adapt with how we interact with people. And from a business point of view, people have had to adapt with. And I would not like to be a manager uh, of a business at this point, because you would have just been stressing going. I still want to make profit. I still want to bring revenue into the business, protect people's jobs, but you're going to have to do it with all these restrictions and COVID safe plans. So well done to everyone who's done this because Jesus Christ, it would have been a stressful year for you guys. But going into 2021, 2021, The way that I see things, I'm in Victoria at the moment and hopefully um, we'll be uh, reducing the restrictions very soon. And I'm hoping things will get back to a slightly normal life. Uh, Yes, there'll be restrictions in part and uh, people will have to be safe with the mass and stuff. But when it comes to food, what I'm realizing is there's no talk about kind of people cutting back slightly that you've you've got your private label uh play for that that that's always been there people have always seen private label whether it's Coles and Woolies as the value play so they don't need to reduce the prices anymore they don't need any more value because there's a <laughs> there's a huge amount of value already there what I'm seeing is things like premiumization and value add What can you add to a product in 2021 that make people go, oh yeah, that's that's great value for money or that's a point of difference. And it goes back to that very start of the podcast about the story. How can you have a point of difference uh, against your competitors? What ingredients can you add into your product that is more relevant now than was last year? So, Probiotics, I just see as um, just something that will just become normal in uh, every different aisle now. Instead of it just being in one aisle, it will be across um, a range of stuff. And we're seeing it in cereals, where that will expand to um, will be fantastic. Plus, also stuff like nootropics, adaptogens, which we've touched on with uh, Jody from Mintel in a few episodes, Steve Chapman from um, Shine and stuff like that. I think nootropics will be a good little playing part for 2021, but it'll be also interesting around kind of, yes, yeah, stories. um And the biggest thing I think will be will be actual new brands coming into the scene because this year would have been uh, perfect for people to do development. uh, Just have a focus with their teams on, okay, how shall we attack this? And I also think the retailers will be ready for newness uh, over the last few months because of the craziness of how do we adapt to this uh, COVID world. Range reviews have been delayed Um would have been cleaning and tidying their own kind of categories, making sure everything's right. Have we got the right offer for the consumer at that moment? Panic buying um, would have delayed things. So 2021 could be actually a year of newness. So I'm pretty excited to see what comes. And I think everyone should be preparing. And I think innovation will be a huge factor in this. So yeah, it's definitely something I'm looking forward to and keeping an eye on. And I just wanted to, yeah, give everyone a little overview of my thoughts, a bit of randomness. And yeah, where uh, my seven years in Australia uh, literally kicked off from having a few beers and then deciding to go, you know what, let's go over, let's leave and try something new. And I've always been with the attitude of enjoy every day. And the moment that you don't enjoy something, reassess, and if you keep Um, waking up going this is not for me, change something because no one's going to change it for you so Thank you for listening. Uh, we've hit the two twenty thousand unique listener mark as well uh, a couple of weeks ago. So thank you for everyone who has listened to at least one episode. And, yeah, we are growing. So if you are interested in uh, discussing your story or your brand or anything that you've done this year or you plan on doing next year, get in touch because we love hearing your stories and love hearing a different um, angle on things. So, keep well, keep safe. And yeah, we've got a few more episodes to come. Uh, 100% going to hit this 100 episode mark. And uh, yeah, enjoy whatever day you are listening to this and speak soon.